So you're using WordPress and you have your business online. The next question is, now what? With so much to do and so little time, it's hard to figure out where you should put your energy. WordPress might be the foundation for your website, but it's what you do with your business that counts. In this podcast, we'll talk about building and running an online business, but you have to be willing to do the work and just show up. My name is Kim Doyle, aka the WordPress Chick, and this is the WordPress Chick Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the WordPress Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick. Today, I am super pumped because we are talking about something that you guys are probably sick of me hearing about. Well, we're talking about a few things, but um, my guest has this huge, phenomenal career in direct response marketing. And you guys know that I sort of went backwards <laughs> the last couple of years and went back into this focusing on the fundamentals. So first of all, my guest is Brian Kurtz of Titans of Marketing. Brian, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks. Thanks for uh, having me, Kim. And I, I hadn't, I hadn't uh, noticed that you would going back to the fundamentals, which we, we could talk about that all day if you want. I'm, I'm total, totally into talking about that. Okay, no, I will. And you know, it's funny is, is I keep I've been preaching it. And all of a sudden, I've kind of fallen in love with the mastery. And I think this will tie in just a quick little story for you. And and I did this because, you know, I've been online for now, uh, almost 10 years and have done, there's plenty of tactics and tools and all that good stuff. But it was when I hired a Facebook ad agency. And um, it was about almost two years ago now. And we started working together. And I saw his obsession with <laughs> advertising and marketing. And he had gone back to books like you mentioned with the Eugene Schwartz and stuff, all from the 60s. And he was doing so well, he completely shifted my perspective on just getting the, the solid foundation set. Yeah, it was interesting. Yesterday, I did a I did a call with uh it's actually a fairly large summit coming up in the health and fitness space. I mean, they're claiming they're going to have, you know, 8 billion listeners or whatever. I don't know. So, but it's, it's, it's supposed to be fairly large for that audience. And, you know, the whole, and I don't know if they knew that what they were getting into when they asked me to be on it. And I hope I didn't overstay my welcome, but they, you know, the whole thing was all about digital marketing. I mean, that was kind of the, the overview and then the subtext was, it has to be about promotion. It has to be about promotion. And I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, you know, that's a good word. <laughs> and we all think about promotion and we all think about digital. But I got to tell you, I, I, I think I started off and I can start off with you too, with one of my favorite quotes, which I think I put in the forward of my book, which is from um, uh, Bill Birnbach, who was one of the great advertising men, one of the mad men in the 60s from Doyle Dane Birnbeck. And he always said, you know, never adapt your, your, your technique to the idea, adapt your idea to the technique. And this was way before the internet, of course. And so here's a guy, though, even in, in an era where advertising opportunities were not infinite, where you didn't have all these different um, uh, availabilities. I mean, it was really, you know, it was mostly direct mail and print maybe some TV and radio if you had a little higher budget. And he was basically saying, look, you know, you don't, you don't say, you don't get up one morning and say, I want to be on TV or I want to be in radio. Just like today, I don't think you should get up and say, I want to be on Facebook and I want to be Google AdWords. I think you got to take your idea. You got to, you got to look at it. 
And, and, and again, this idea that it's only about promotion, it's not. It, it's about, you know, what's your idea? How do you want to get it out in the world? And then what's the long-term play for that idea? It's not, you know, making money fast. So, I mean, I'm jumping into a lot of quick things here that, and I'll go in any direction you want, but I think I want, it's a good place to start, which is I started getting into this conversation on this interview yesterday and it was like, you know, I can't think of one thing that's done online today, just about whether it's, you know, click funnels, ask funnels, um, uh, Facebook advertising, um, lookalike models on Facebook, Google AdWords, um, any, anything, uh, a PLF launches that doesn't have its roots in direct marketing fundamentals. And, you know, it's been proven out by the people who we all respect the most, the, you know, the Jeff Walkers of the world and the Ryan Levex of the world and Russell Brunson and, and, and Ryan Dice. I mean, these guys, they're all, you know, they've all studied the, the fundamentals. And if you can apply those fundamentals, you're going to be able to work with, you know, whatever is out there today that's state of the art in a much deeper way. And I, I love the fact that, you know, you brought up your example of, you know, working with a Facebook agency and all of a sudden, you know, you were asking questions probably and and this person was asking more questions that the normal person would not ask, you know, going into Facebook advertising in particular, using that as an example. Well, it was, and it's funny that you brought up ClickFunnels because, you know, having been a WordPress user, I, I think I was one of the first hundred customers originally, and then I left, and it was, and I've kind of had this love-hate relationship with him, with Russell Brunson, and completely shifted my mindset, though, because of his last book, and I honestly was like, this is the missing piece of the puzzle. Like, this is where I have felt, oh my God, you you have to get into the mindset, the psychology, the messaging piece of it. And it was through reading that book. And then he's like this prolific content creator just in being everywhere. But it's like all of a sudden I got to see this story that he was living. And he talks about all of this stuff that you've talked about and studying sales letters and stuff. And I mean, I probably spent the last year just playing with headlines <laughs> and, and yeah. wrapping my head around it because I really was like, I'm not good at Like, I can create content, but I thought I'm not good at, con at, at copy or writing. But all of a sudden, it's become fun to understand how it works. Um, we'll get more into stories, but can you – I'd love to hear a little bit of your story. Um, you've been in direct response marketing for so long, but I always like hearing it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to bore the listeners too much, you know, that – you know, starting with my, my, my childhood or anything like that. But, you know, the, the quick story is that, you know, I spent 35 years uh, building a, you know, with my mentor, Marty Edelston, building a company that he founded. He brought me in, you know, made me a partner um, and uh, called Boardroom Incorporated. And that was basically where, you know, I cut my teeth in, in direct response marketing. And, you know, we're a pretty simple company. We sold, you know, newsletters and books, direct to consumer, a lot of health information, a lot of financial information. And what I learned, you know, by working in a company that was committed to world-class creative, world-class list selection, world-class offer creation, um, working only with the best of the best in terms of consultants and, and, um, copywriters. And, you know, I've been, I was really fortunate, you know, we were willing to invest and Marty, you know, had this incredible curiosity that, 
you know, there was always something else out there that we could tap into that would increase our knowledge, increase the depth of what we were doing. So it was, I don't want to say it was a, uh, it was a, it was more a laboratory. It was it, it, of, of direct response marketing, working in boardroom. And a lot of people have went through there and very proud of a lot of people who came out of boardroom and went on to do other things that, you know, based on the knowledge that they gain. And it was just a great, great run for 35 years. And the company, when I got there was probably, you know, maybe a $5 million business. We, at our height in the mid 2000s, um, I think at our height, we, we did one year, we did about 157 million in one year. And wow. that's not, you know, that's not bragging. And of course, it's just, you know, just to give you a sense of how much we grew. And yet I always saw ourselves as a really small learning organization. We never had more than 100 employees. Most of the time I was there, we had about 80 employees. And it just shows you the, the you know, how direct response marketing scales. Back then it was direct mail mostly, but direct mail scales. And to bring it, you know, into the present, you know, the the interesting thing is that, you know, how did we hit 157 million? Um, and it was because we were committed to multi-channel marketing. And, you know, this was mid 2000s. Um, internet was hot, but we also were able to get on TV. We already had a great direct mail program. We had inserts. We did print advertising. We did everything. And it was just one of those perfect storms of being able to, you know, bring together a particular book, The Treasury of Health Secrets, and it was probably our biggest success that took us in one year from 70 or 80 million in sales to 150 million. And the reason was TV was a big part of it because it scaled beautifully the way we did it, infomercials, but it was also the fact that we were so committed to a multi-channel approach, which really kind of brings me to where I am today, you know, after I decided um, that I was going to leave boardroom, I did a huge uh, tribute event. Marty passed away in October. Marty Edelson, the founder, passed away in October of 2013. And then in 2014, I started planning a tribute event. And by the end of 2014, I had done this huge event called the Titans of Direct Response. And we got some of the greatest people to speak at that event. Um, including Dan Kennedy and Joe Sugarman and Jay Abraham and Greg Renker of Guffey Renker Infomercial, uh, Fred Katona, the number one radio guy, Perry Marshall, Kim McCarthy, and then all the best copywriters that ever worked for us, including Gary Bensavenga. And so I did this huge event. And then after the event, you know, I got the itch to, to you know, kind of do something else. I mean, I I think I had done what I needed to do at boardroom and, you know, uh, the family was going to take the business to, you know, into a different direction, which was fine. And so I decided to go out on my own and my big, my first thing that I really launched on my own was a mastermind group that lo and behold was committed to direct response marketers committed to multi-channel marketing. And so, you know, I didn't want, I mean, I'll leave, you know, if you want to, and I'm in Jeff Walker's group, but I don't even use PLF. And I visited Ryan Levesque's mastermind, and I don't necessarily use the ask formula. And I felt that those mastermind groups were amazing because they had they were able to, you know, they had a unique selling proposition, as it were, which was rallied around this one great technology 
or one great technique, whether it's PLF or Ask Funnels, and you mentioned Russell, he's got a mastermind that's around click funnels. I guess Dice has his war room, which focuses on a lot of different online things. I didn't have any of that. So what was I going to do? I was going to do what I was born to do, which was to teach multi-channel marketing that, you know, I wanted to bring the best people from the online world and the offline world. And that's who I always get as my guests with a lot of copywriters sprinkled in and a lot of other people who I meet along the way who are experts in Amazon or experts in Facebook or experts in live events. And so I think all of my training uh, in multi-channel marketing at Boardroom has kind of prepared me for the business today, which is Titans Marketing with its focal point, my high-end mastermind group, but I do a lot of other things too. I do consulting. I do a lot of other things. But when you say you're a consultant, people just assume you're unemployed. So having <laughs> or, a mastermind or it's group. boring, like yeah. corporate America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, so I go out to dinner with my wife and other couples and where I live. And it's like lawyer, financial planner, Brian, what do you do? And if, when I start talking about, you know, that I run a couple of mastermind groups and I'm writing, I wrote a book and I'm writing another book and I do a little consulting, I could see they're looking at my wife thinking, oh no, poor Robin, <laughs> you know, Brian, they're going to have to sell their house and whatever, you know. So um, well, most people don't understand this space. Uh, I mean, let alone the, the, the depth to, of what you do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think the um, so the overview there, you know, going from, you know, my past and then into the present was, you know, there's that expression, you know, those who can't do teach. And I, 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 I hate that expression because my whole family were teachers. So and, and I have teaching in my blood. So I think I've kind of switched that up. I just wrote a blurb for a friend of mine who just wrote a book where he's teaching everything that he learned and how he built his huge $30 million business in a particular category. And I came up with a new thing. It's like, it's, it's not that those who can't do teach it's how about those, how about those who did it at the highest level are, have a responsibility to teach it. It's a whole nother way to look at it. And one of my mentors, Jay Abraham, you know, is constantly giving me a constructive hard time on, you know, Brian, you have this, this um, career that spanned 35 years working with all of the, you know, some of the greats of direct response marketing and copywriting. And the fact is the people who you grew up with aren't going to teach it because they're either dead, literally. I had a lot of, I want to write a book one day that says all my mentors are dead because I (laughs) had all of these old time mentors who were all older than me. So a lot of them are dead, unfortunately. But then the ones who I grew up with who were my age, they were just like looking to the golf course. You know, they they saw the Internet. They got kind of scared. Um, I was intimidated. I look, I'm intimidated today. You know, when I see what Russell Brunson teaches or I see what, you know, Jeff Walker does and and, and the people in my Jeff Walker mastermind who do multimillion dollar launches, I understand how they do it. I understand it's all direct marketing fundamentals, but I still can marvel at it. And so I'm still getting an education, um, but I also didn't give up. I saw the internet as this ultimate direct response marketing area and not just one channel. It's multi-channel within itself. Facebook is very different than AdWords, which is very different than Display, which is very different than YouTube, which is you know different than launches. And while they're all related, they're not. They're, they're all different media that you use 
just like I use direct mail and print and package inserts and TV and radio and how I incorporated all those other online into my offline was really, again, the key to our success. So I'm, I'm kind of a kid in a candy store when it comes to, you know, being a student of everything that's state of the art today. And lucky for me, you know, I've been given kind of a golden ticket that they allow me into rooms like, you know, walkers and Levesque's and whatever, because, uh, you know, I, I come up with some stuff that they might not have heard of before that might be applicable to their business. And the trade-off is incredible for me. So again, I'm, I guess the theme for today that I want to stress is the it's not those who can't do teach. It's those who've done it at the highest level have a responsibility to teach. There was so much in that, Brian. Um, yeah, and unpack first, I I... what you want and I'll go any direction you want, Kim. I'm like, first of all, I'm like, okay, join Mastermind. So, and I apologize. I think I said Titans of Marketing. So Titans Marketing. Yeah, Titans Marketing LLC is my company, right? Okay. Um, and all the links for the listeners, of course, will be in the show notes and whatnot. You know, the first thing I thought about is when you were talking about promotion. And the thing is, you could you could nail, well, I guess to nail Facebook ads as an example, you do have to understand the fundamentals. But it's like, you can do all the promotion you want, but if you can't convert, and the conversion always comes back to the words and your ability to sell and connect with the visitor, the subscriber, the customer, whatever, um, from that perspective, right? And so, I mean... If if I were to do a show, I, you know, the 10 things I wish I had done first, th- this would be it. And I see so many people in this space, they get so fearful. One, it's just like any business. It takes time and it's consistency. And, you know, the easiest thing I've ever sold when you're talking about teaching um, was because I had been walking the walk and mastering it. And it was, it was on a content strategy because I'm obsessed with content. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was like, I just mentioned that I was going to do this. And I had people saying, I want a spot. I want a spot. I want a spot. And I was like, that was phenomenal, you know, right. versus I'm going to go learn how to do this on the internet. I, I did have a question for you. Um, when you were talking about like, you know, all the physical pieces and the print and stuff, I, I don't know. You know. Obviously you're a fan of it. I love getting stuff in the mail. Like I'm a geek. And can I tell you another aspect? And I'm sure you're familiar with him is that I got into this was Ben Settle and his email players newsletter. A really good friend. In fact, he spoke at one of my masterminds. Yeah. I I mean, I've interviewed him twice. I love Ben's great interview. Yeah. And he, and he just, what it was, and I probably watched what he did for a year before I became a customer. And while his flavor may not be right for everybody, I'm like, if you'd simply pay attention and study what's working and what's not. Um, but it was really like, so what are your thoughts on, you know, the physical stuff and the physical mail? Because, you know, like, I love getting swag from, like, I was geeked when you yeah. sent me the books, I was like, Oh my God, I got a present in the mail. Yeah. I've got, I've got a lot of, I mean, a lot of my next book is going to be a, about that. Even my first book with Craig Simpson has a lot from six legends who did most of their work in direct mail and print. So there is a lot in there, but my, 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 my next book, which is really my, my opus is really the, you know, the different stories that relate, you know, to the things I blog about every week. Um, I did a, I've, I've done some really interesting blog posts about, you know, every, everyone's gone right, time to go left, which was talked about direct mail and, and how you use direct mail. I mean, I'm the first one to say, you know, I wouldn't necessarily use direct mail 
uh, if I didn't know what I was, if, if you didn't know what you were doing, I wouldn't use it for acquisition. It's too expensive now. But I would, to not think about direct mail on the back end of any digital uh, marketing um, operation, especially if you can create physical product from your digital product, which I talk a lot about too, it's, it's a huge mistake to not think about, and this goes back to my whole multi-channel thing, that to, to ignore any one channel because you think it's old school or you think it's, it's out of touch with what is done is crazy. And you just proved it. I mean, how old are you? Can I ask how old are you? Yeah, 47. You're 47. So, I mean, you're a little bit older so that, you know, the, 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 the I'll say the, I always say the most, the, the most, uh, the least crowded inbox is the one you grew up with, assuming you're over 30 years old. So, you know, that, that mailbox at the end of your driveway is certainly less cluttered. And that's sort of the obvious reason why direct mail is one of those, you know, counterintuitive things that's actually very intuitive now, you know, going, everybody's going right time to go left. But it's bigger than that. It's it's really about not just to differentiate using direct mail, but the creativity that you can do on the back end, especially with your best customers who've spent a lot of money with you and what you could send them on the back end um, is incredible. You're, it's just your imagination can go wild because of what you can spend. I mean, I, I wrote a couple of blog posts that I would highly recommend, you know, as opposed to, you know, spending all our time on this. But one was called you know, how paying postage made me a better marketer. And what that was about was that I'm not saying that direct mail is better, but I will tell you this, when I had to pay for printing and postage, I couldn't waste a lot of a, a lot of time and effort in something that had no chance of getting a response. And so this idea that online marketers today say, well, wait a minute, I, you know, email is cheap. It doesn't cost me anything. So I'll just, you know, blast my list and see what happens. And I think it's a huge mistake. I, so I couldn't do that in direct mail because it was just too expensive. I mean, I was paying mm-hmm. postage to printing. But I, I, will, I will maintain that the Internet marketers that have the attitude that it's cheap, I can do anything and then try something else if it doesn't work. I, I, would, I would go with that strategy at your own risk. And the reason I say that is that you don't know what the cost is. It may not be a monetary cost. But bombarding people with messages that are not targeted, that are not uh, something that they really want to hear, something that is applicable to their needs, something that is the conversation that's really going on in their head, as opposed to the one that's going on in the marketer's head, and that they think they could throw anything up against the wall, and if it sticks, okay, and not. You are diminishing your response rates for the future, which I will maintain is as costly as paying printing and postage. So I think that it's just a huge mistake to think that you shouldn't take care and concern with any message that you send out. And that's a lesson that we learned from direct mail when we moved all of our messaging or a lot of our messaging online. The other blog post I did, so that was, you know, why paying postage made me a better marketer. The other blog post I did was one that was called Christmas Cards in July. And what that was about was using direct mail again, as sort of an ancillary way to constantly communicate, especially with your best customers, people who spent a lot of money with you. And so, you know, this idea that um, that uh, people, I mean, you, you already kind of hinted at it where, you know, you go to your mailbox. I, I, I think the story I tell in that one is 
I, I every almost every client I go to now that I do consult with, and I'm able to sit around a table with a lot of their staff, and if I'm talking to people and I, and they, they're thinking about something to do in the mail, direct mail, I I go around the table and I look for the person who I think is the youngest person. So I think the story I told in that blog post was I found the twenty the twenty six year old in the room, and I said to her you know, what do you think of direct mail? And she said, I, I don't know what direct mail is. I said, okay, let's, <laughs> let's start. So first of all, do you have a mailbox? And she said, the one at the end of your driveway. She said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I know what you're talking about. And then I said, you know, if you went out to that mailbox on a particular day, well, how often do you check your mail? Once every two weeks? She goes, no, no, I check it every day. Oh, you're 26 years old. Did you check your mail every day? Interesting. And when you go out to your mailbox and you pull the stuff out of your mailbox, and you had just gone off your computer to go out to your mailbox and you were working on email and you went out to the mailbox and there was something in there that was a lumpy package or a Federal Express or something that looked super important and bulky and something personally um, uh, addressed to you. Let me ask you a question. What do you, uh, you, don't, have to an- you don't have to answer because you know I'm le- it's a leading question, but what, what are you opening first? Do you have like six letters and that package? What are you opening first? She said, of course, I'm going to open the package first. I said, are you going to open the package even before you get inside the house? She said, yeah. So that means you're going to get open that package before you get back on your computer to check email, right? Yeah, of course I am. So that that's the, you know, that's the obvious thing about three-dimensional mail and, and, and the beauty of it, that it gets opened and all of that. But now take it a step further, that the, the, the way that you can communicate and, and the personalization you can do which people think they don't want to do because it's too expensive. Don't be nuts about that. If you, you know, I, I had somebody the other day that was, I won't go into the whole detail. I was giving him some ideas. Um, and he was saying that he had a universe of people that for argument, I'm not going to tell you the whole thing, but it was basically a group of people that made decisions for janitorial uh, contracts for schools within a certain state. And he basically had 26 people that he needed to prospect once a year when they made their decision for their janitor services for the following year. It's a one-year contract. And we started brainstorming about that list of 26 and that to go and try to get a phone appointment a month before they have to make their decision isn't what you should do. What you should do is six months before, send those 26 people a Federal Express envelope. Inside, you get 26 copies of a book. I made this up as I was talking. We were actually meeting mm-hmm. in the bathroom. I was coming off the stage. <laughs> speaking. So this is like I'm giving him marketing advice, you know, in, next to him in the urinal. The literal hot seat. Yeah. Literal <laughs> hot seat. Exactly. And so I'm saying to him, you know, okay, I'm just talking at the top of my head. Find a book that's a bestseller on the future of the education educational system in America and send that book with a personalized note to those 26 people in a Federal Express envelope. And in that note, basically say, look, you know, I, I know that, you know, I'll be, I want it to be, I, I might want to contact you in six months because I, I am interested in talking to you about your contract for next year for janitor services. But I, I found this book and I can't resist sending it to everybody in my world because, you know, while we keep our schools clean, you know, the idea that if they're clean schools, our kids learn better, but, you know, blah, 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 you know, whatever you want to say that's from your heart. You give away this book and now you're talking about a relationship event 
not a revenue event, but one that might lead to a revenue event, that would be a huge contract. And the thing is, if your eye is on the prize of what that that eventual price point is going to be, something like that, I think those contracts are, you know, they're easily six figures, if not, you know, seven figures in some cases. And so of the 26 people, you know, 26 Federal Express envelopes with a book sounds super expensive. It ain't expensive if you get one of them to give you a couple hundred thousand dollars for a new contract. And so that's where direct mail and those. So I maintain that that those 26 Federal Express envelopes, that's direct mail, just like I was sending direct mail to, you know, millions of people to get people to subscribe to a consumer newsletter for thirty dollars. Same concept. And so those are the fundamentals of direct mail that can be applied. And so anybody in online marketing today, you know, another example I was, you know, someone who's got a great digital product that sells for, you know, whatever it sells for in a launch and then creating physical product from it, whether it's transcripts, whether it's books, whether it's DVDs, uh, whether it's CDs. And, you know, they're not old technology if they're part of an information product. Um, swipe files, notebooks, whatever. And if you could take that digital product, which costs you nothing to produce, yes, you then create physical product. But once you have the physical product, the idea that you could go out into a direct mail environment with something where you have promotion that's already worked online, create a, 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 a direct mail format for it. And frankly, I would think that with the direct mail universe, and I, the one I'm thinking of is a client I had that had a health product that was for an audience of 50 plus um, adults. And frankly, the overlap between the people that responded to the launch and the people that respond to a direct mail campaign might be 10% at maybe 20, but it's not going to be 20. Cause I actually, I had over, I had only 10% overlap when I sold a book on TV versus selling it in direct mail. So this idea that direct mail can be an, and not an, or, is something that all of a sudden can open up your mind to this medium that you think is old school. I can't do it. It's too expensive. I need an expert, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of different ways to make excuses for why I'm just going to advertise on Facebook since that's what I know how to do. But diversification, look, you diversify your financial portfolio. You're not going to put all your money in one company's stock. Why would you put all your money into just Facebook for your advertising needs? So, and I'm not saying direct mail is right for anybody, everybody, but it's certainly one of many things that can be considered. And I think that's really what I teach. I mean, I went off on a tangent there specifically. <laughs> I feel like I could listen to you all day. No, I went deeper in direct mail and I could talk all day about direct mail. And I have a lot, I have a lot in my, uh, on my site and in my blog posts about direct mail, how it relates to the online world. And there's a lot of my book, The Advertising Solution, about that as well. Well, you know, I think just to reference uh, ClickFunnels again, his free plus shipping model, he does a ton of physical products. Totally. And and it's a software company. And so I look at that and it's just model. It's always on a very like rudimentary level, it's, it's when you get this stuff in the mail, all of a sudden there's a little bit different relationship. You have a different connection to the person who sent it to you and you're less likely to, you know, unsubscribe or, or not revisit that uh, for lack of a better explanation. Yeah, it, so where, yeah, it's relationship go ahead. building. As I said, not everything's a revenue event, but everything's a relationship event. 
So, so with this, I know I had some different questions, but in terms of, you know, people that are online and I want to talk to you about list building and I do think maybe it's a, the direct mail piece is something that complements all of that. Um, but I, I, I see a lot of people who just are doing the same old, same old here, you know, name an email, here's your ebook and they go about just a follow-up sequence. Like where would you suggest somebody start with this stuff? Yeah. So, um, let's get off direct mail and just talk about list building, whatever medium you're in. And one of the beauties of online marketing, this goes back to me being a kid in a candy store. You know, I went from a business can business B2C company at boardroom, you know, with a, you know, 9 million name database and, and selling $30 books and newsletters to a B2B business with my Titans business, where I'm selling $25,000 masterminds and things less than that. So what's that about? And, and so, but all of the things I learned about list building and relationship building, just like I gave you that example of the 26 Federal Express envelopes, the principles are all the same. So when you're list building, it's the list building and then the list segmentation. Like I marvel at what, what Ryan Levesque has done, for example, and he and I are good friends. And, you know, I basically talk about him as sort of the modern day, you know, list segmentation expert. And so this idea that one size fits all creative to all list segments is, is freaking nuts. You know, uh, there are no unique names, only unique lists. And so you, when you're building, I mean, one of the things in B2B, especially for me, that's been exciting is that now I want to build in, in a big way, I want to build quality over quantity. So for example, I mean, let's, let's be very transparent. You know, at the end of this call, I will probably give out a website or I'll give out a way for people to get my book, which I make no money on, but they will opt into my list and then they'll read my blogs. And then someday, one day, they might even buy something from me, a book, an educational material, come to one of my seminars, join my mastermind, whatever. But the fact is that if I'm building a list of people who eventually could spend a lot of money with me to help their business grow, why would I want to go on Facebook and just sort of like add names to my list with no idea of what they're going to do to qualify themselves to get on my list? And that's what opt-ins are all about. And that's why the free book plus shipping is a better offer in a lot of ways than, you know, just adding names or scraping somebody's likes off a Facebook page or whatever. So taking it a step further, imagine somebody who is, you know, silly enough to listen to me for an hour, you know, on a podcast, and then they go to my site, and then they get another interview where I probably say some of the same stories, but 15 new ones, and they listen to that one too, and they're opted into my list, and they don't unsubscribe in the first couple of weeks, and I'm delivering just value to them on a regular basis, that's what, to me, list building in a B2B environment is all about. But I learned all of that in list building in a B2C environment because when I was doing direct mail, I had to do my list selection so precisely to get people to at least try my newsletter, even if they weren't paying for it right away. I gave them trial subscriptions, but I didn't want to give everybody in the world a trial subscription. You know, you're not going to give trial subscriptions to people in the phone book. So what's really wrong <laughs> yeah. with list building is that there's sometimes too much of an emphasis on quality over, I mean, quantity over quality. 
And then once you get the quality, the laziness of not starting to put people into segments based on specific interest areas, you know, and again, I'll go back to Ryan Levesque, you know, the fact that he'll then do surveys to put people into what he calls buckets is really what we were doing. It's what Reader's Digest was doing in the 1960s on a mainframe computer when they were doing analyses of, you know, tens of millions of names and figuring out the predictive models of how people might respond based on previous people who responded. That's something that's gone on for a long time. I mean, I wrote a, I wrote a, a blog post that was called Facebook Didn't Invent Everything. And without sounding like a Luddite, I was basically trying to explain that when I was on a podcast just like this, um, and someone was asking me, like, I couldn't believe the line of questioning, only because we got into the nitty gritty of how Boardroom and how people like Reader's Digest did regression modeling, which was a modeling technique, which basically had you mail a big a segment of a huge list, you get the responses in and analyze all the characteristics of those people because you had them on your list and then go out to a big universe to go find people that look like them. And oh my gosh. But that was done based on a response. So you spent a lot of money to get those responses. Now, what they, what they call it today, the cheaper way to do that is what they call a lookalike model, where you can take what you have and see what it looks like. And that's what Facebook does. And so Facebook is not a regression model, which is better than a lookalike model, but a lookalike model is better than anything doing nothing. And so yeah. the, the guy who interviewed me and we got into the nitty gritty of all this, and then he, he posted the interview on Facebook. And I get, it got a lot of play, which was nice. And I was very, I was flattered that he did that, honored that he did that. And I saw one of the comments was something like, you know, wow, this interview with Brian Kurtz is really fascinating. You know, I thought Facebook invented lookalike models, mind blown. And so then I start thinking to myself, wow, yeah, Facebook didn't invent that. But if you know where that technique came from, you know, where, where I, I have another blog post, it's called where babies came from. It's like, if you understand <laughs> where the original source is, and I'm going to have a chapter in my new book, all about original source and the power of original source, Perry Marshall talks a lot about this as well. And we've talked about it together on interviews. So the understand where it came from, your knowledge of that is not just to understand the history and to take the stroll down memory lane. It's actually to take the fundamentals that were that that made that technique work in 1960 70 80 and apply it to what facebook is doing today and i will bet that the questions you'll ask your agency about facebook selections and modeling are going to be a lot deeper and you're going to have a much deeper understanding of what is what's the truth and what's bullshit and what's going to work and what might not work and to me, you know, knowledge is power in this particular case and understanding where the original source was. Because I don't know, and I, I don't mean to sound like, you know, I always say grandpa at the picnic. I don't want to sound like, <laughs> you know, the guy who says, you know, you young whippersnappers, you don't know anything. That's not my game. You know, I learned so much from everybody I hang around with today. But I will say that, you know, if... If you spend some time uh, really understanding where 
something originated from, your understanding of its application in everything state-of-the-art today will be so much deeper, so much better, so much less superficial. You'll be in business for the long haul, chances are, than for the short term because you're going to be building a business and not just getting orders on the Internet. Another thing I like to say when I talk about list building and quality of list is that affiliate marketing, for example, which is really, really powerful, is not free. It's like, you know, people who think that, you know, that they have a lot of affiliates who mail for them because, and they say, well, I don't have to pay for my list. You are paying for your list. You know, you're, you're giving away, in some cases, 50% of the sales price to do an affiliate deal. Yes, the list is very targeted. Yes, if the, if the person that you're doing an affiliate deal has a great relationship with their list and they're doing a great endorsement for your product or service, it is a great way. But I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket as all of my list selection. And uh, Rich Sheffrin, who's a, a, a marketer who I really, really respect, he's been around a while. Uh, he's going to be speaking at my mastermind group in January. And Rich talks a lot about, you know, you know you've arrived as a marketer when you actually can pay for your media like cash and get a return that's acceptable on what you spend, meaning that you are a direct marketer, you are into measurable response, you pay for certain media and therefore you get a response. And whether you pay for it in year one and year two, it doesn't matter. Whatever your metric is, whatever your criteria is, the fact that you paid for the media and then made it pay out, now you're not relying on someone else's list to mail for you because when the affiliate market dries up for your product or service, you're, you could be out of business if all your stuff is in that basket. Or by the same token, if all of your, if all of your eggs are in the Facebook basket um, and Facebook shuts you down because they don't like you one day or Google mm -hmm. shuts you down one day and you can't do AdWords and 100% of your business is on AdWords, you're out of business too. So this goes back again to where I started, which is diversification, which is multi-channel marketing, um, which is super important. But to not understand those fundamentals, um, you know, I think is something and, and it's not hard to get a hold of them. That's why I did my first book. I did the advertising solution with Craig Simpson because he wanted to profile these six legends of advertising who didn't even work on the Internet. And to see what they were teaching, beginning with Claude Hopkins in 1923 in, in scientific <laughs> advertising. And it's all applicable to what we do today. And so to be able to, the challenge of taking, you know, lessons from six people like Claude Hopkins, David Ogilvy, John Capels, Robert Collier, Gary Halbert, and Gene Schwartz, and to apply it to everything we do today on the Internet is something that uh, that was a challenge that I relished. And then now I can follow that up with my next book because I've already positioned myself now as someone who can kind of connect the past with the present and then the future. Now I'm going to take it a step further because if I'm writing from scratch, I can write a lot more from my experience on the Internet as opposed to six legends who didn't work on the Internet. Um, but it's not about the medium. It's really about, it is about the fundamentals of direct response marketing. 
Well, I, I, I mean, I said this again, you know, that I wish I had done this stuff sooner. And, you know, where you were talking about um, Ryan Levesque, I actually have a web app coming out with somebody called Lead Surveys for that same reason, because I'm like, I don't know who I'm talking to. And I can send a survey to my list. And, you know, if you've got a 10,000 person list and you get 150 people responding, great. But it's such this minimal, you know, sampling. And, and I think by combining all of these core principles and the fundamentals with what we have today. I mean, it's, it's gold because especially because you can measure, there's so many data points that you can measure whether it's working or not at the same time, you know, like I had done a a pre-sale webinar for the software and I talked too much about segmentation and I did a live stream, which was a cluster because the software fell apart. But yeah, but, but you know, it's at the same time I got it out there and had I not done that, cause then I spent a month, reworking the webinar. I'm like, ah, this is not about segmenting. It's like people need to know who they're talking to and what they want and like kind of coming back. But it was because of doing all of this stuff and really trying to get into the mindset. And if so, if we could talk a little bit about like the psychology of selling, and I know you talk about that in your book. And, and again, I think people get, I know I was like, I don't know how to get into the mind of somebody until I started studying this stuff. Um, but how do you think, where's a good place to start with with kind of getting into the mind of your subscribers, your potential customers? You know, it's a good question. I mean, I'm not, I'm no Gene Schwartz, and that's why I republished Gene Schwartz's Breakthrough Advertising, and I'm republishing his other book, Brilliance Breakthrough, because he teaches all of that, we'll call it the psychology of selling way better than I do. I think you know, Dan Kennedy, I just shared with my list, his presentation that he did at my Titans event in 2014. Cause again, I think he's better at that than I am. But the thing that, that, that I pride myself on is I go to the list. To me, I learn more from being a student of lists and audience than anything else. And, you know, it's funny when I did my book, um, with Craig, the, Gary Halbert and Gene Schwartz, who were the two major copywriters of the six, although all six of the legends wrote copy, Halbert and Schwartz were the more current ones. And it's amazing when you look at their writing about copywriting, that it's always about the audience. It's always about, you know, Gary Halbert's got that thing, you know, what's the conversation going on in their head? And Gene talks about, you know, writing to the chimpanzee brain. And so I'm thinking to myself, wow, you know, I think Gene and Gary, and I know this because I, I, I met Gary and Gene was a mentor of mine, that they understood that list selection and audience and studying the market was way more important than sitting down with pen and paper to start writing copy. And so then I started doing a lot of writing myself um, and the way I start my and, and on this whole concept and I wanted to like emphasize the fact that I think the list is the, and the audience is the most important thing for every marketer to think about before they start crafting their offer and their creative and their, and their sales letter. And so there's a, and, and again, most people don't know this fundamental, but whether they do or not, I'll share it. And hopefully someone on this who's listening will get something from this, I hope. And it's the 40, 40, 20 rule. Have you heard of the 40, 40, 20 rule? No, I've heard 80-20. Okay, so 40, yeah, 80-20 20. is important too. And this, the 40-40-20 rule is is um, something that, you know, a lot of direct marketers talked about. I, I don't know where, I have to go find out where it originated, but, you know, it was probably in the 60s or 1970s somewhere. And they, I learned it really early on when I got in the business. And it says that 
you know, the success of any direct marketing campaign depends 40% on the list, 40% on the offer, and 20% on the creative. So I started thinking about this, and the thing that I started emphasizing in my writing and then in how I, how I taught this and how I'm teaching it still is that I, I wrote a blog post that says when 41% is a majority, and it was not a political statement about you know who wins elections in the U.S. with 41%, or 46.6%, because I wasn't going to get political about it. But I did wanted to make the point that the 40-40-20 rule, I said 41, we're going to say, we're going to change it to 41-39-20. And 41 will be the list, 39 will be offer, and 20 will be the creative. And why is that important? Well, the thing is, if you, and, 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 and this isn't saying either that creative promotion, what you write, is half as important as offer or list, meaning that it's 20 versus 40. What it says is that you and I both know that you could have the best copy of all time. Even think about Facebook. If I send out a message on Facebook that's beautifully written or I've got a link to something that's perfectly, you know, eloquent from a from a A-plus copywriter and it goes out to the wrong Facebook audience or, and now, you know, take it a step further, you email a group of people that have no interest in your product or service with the most brilliant sales letter of all time, you will get zero response. But the opposite is not true. The opposite of a perfect audience, look at an affiliate deal. You make an affiliate deal with somebody who endorses your product or service and your sales letters shit. You know, it's like, you know, eight lines and it's got nothing but because someone is endorsing it or because someone, someone's list is so in tune with that, them endorsing your product, you will make some sales. Or by the same token, if you found some other list out there in direct mail, for example, we'd find a list with so much affinity to our product or service, you could go out with a postcard and probably sell something. Now, if you put world-class creative against that list segmentation that's so solid, now you got everything cooking at the same time. So that's why it's not 40, 40, 20 with 20 being less important. It's like focus on the list first, get a killer offer that people will want, and then spend spend your time on the creative and the promotion and how it fits to that list, to that audience. Find out what their hot buttons are. You know, Gene Schwartz talked about this all the time to get into the mindset of your of your best customer, you've got to be in touch with what's happening in the world. You know, Gene Schwartz is fa- who's a voracious reader. Um, one of the best ways to to become a great copywriter is to be incredibly well read and incredibly curious. And so Gene would read everything. His favorite magazine was the National Enquirer. Um, he wanted to know how people <laughs> thought, how they what made people tick, what were the things that were on their mind. And no matter what he was selling, if there was a market for it, he'd figure it out. But it wasn't his brilliance first pen to paper. It was the brilliance of understanding the marketplace. So, you know, that's how I kind of, from my, I teach it differently than Kennedy and, and Gene would. But because I was a list guy, I mean, my first job at Boardroom, I was the in-house list manager. Like all I did was take the Boardroom, Boardroom didn't have advertising in our newsletters. So to reach our, our audience of affluent executives, the only way to reach it was to rent our list for direct mail. So everybody rented our list. It was like one of the most responsive lists. And I was responsible for that. So I would rent our list to Money Magazine, to 
you know, health magazines, health book offers, charitable fundraisers, political fundraisers, anybody who would be able to, you know, be able to mail my list of affluent executives. And frankly, understanding direct marketing and marketing in general from the list side of things, from the audience side of things, I thought has it, it, it kind of was a really, really good background for me. I mean, whether it was good or not is really up to, I guess, the people listening to me to decide and say, well, no, nah, he doesn't know crap about copywriting and he doesn't know crap about, you know, whatever he doesn't know crap about. Uh, you know, there's stuff I don't know crap about. But I think coming from understanding lists first, understanding audience first, understanding what's in the, you know, what's the market, what's the demand. We don't create demand as marketers. We don't create demand as copywriters. I mean, it's true that today with the internet being so prolific, you can all of a sudden start creating more demand than you could say when we only had direct mail. And that was pointed out to me by Rich Sheffrin. And I actually indicated that in the new forward that I wrote in Gene Schwartz's Breakthrough Advertising, that maybe things have changed quite a bit. But I still believe that it's very hard to create mass desire with a great sales letter. I still believe that the mass desire is out there and you can meet it in so many different ways. And that's how I kind of look at promotion. And I, I don't even know if I answered your question, but um, I really, that's my approach to marketing all the time. And I always want to think about, you know, how I differentiate my product or service and then how do I go deep as, you know, and, and the other pieces I wrote, a, I just wrote a blog post this past week, which was all about differentiation being so important and the idea of always better to go a mile deep than a mile wide. And so that to me is, you know, you can always go wide later, but trying to go wide and being everything to everybody is going to is going to not give you focus. Whereas if you just own some small niche first and then expand it's a much better formula for long-term success from what I've seen over 35 years. <laughs> All of your answers, Brian, I'm like, wait, I want to pull them apart like 50 ways sideways. Um, the thing with the list building that I see in this space specifically, again, is it's very generic piece of it. And so from the perspective of, so I'm building a list and I'm talking to my audience, what I found that worked, it was modeling Ben Settle. I do the daily email and it's, it, it's, also made me a better writer, better content creator, all of that. But I started getting that data. So if someone's not segmenting, like, what can they be doing? Uh, you know, I know we're winding down here, but what can someone do in with so let's say you've got a list of 5000 people, and I really need to start knowing who's here, who's not like, just a couple tips or yeah, one tip. No, even What would you things. suggest? I mean, you know, and I'm, there are people that do it better than I do. But um, I agree with you that, you know, I, I don't write every day, but I do a weekly blog. And so that's made me a better writer, better content, you know, all the things that are making you better by writing regularly and creating a relationship with my list and knowing that every Sunday at 6 a.m. Eastern, they'll have something in their box from me that's usually a story, a lesson, something. Um, and then in there... I try to create dialogue and how I create dialogue is I ask questions. So like, for example, I did one just recently where I talked about 
I'll give you a couple of quick examples. I did one where I talked about my Titans of Direct Response event and what made everybody, all these greats of direct marketing say yes. And I got into a whole thing about creating your own relationship capital. And then I started and I said, you know, what do you do to create better relationship capital? And what was interesting is that once I started getting some responses, I could start putting people into segments. So there was some that were, you know, I just got out of college. I don't know what I'm doing. And so that's one bucket, right? That's the bucket of I need to educate those people more. And maybe I can do a webinar for those people at some point at a very base level to see if they want to eventually do some kind of program with me, if I want to do that. But then, you know, all the way up to the other end of the spectrum, I remember getting one email that was from somebody that said, you know, dear Brian, um, when do you think you'll do another event like Titans? And I'm thinking to myself, that response alone tells me this person is a player. And the reason why I know they're a player is that why would he, you know, nobody calls my, my event was called the Titans of Direct Response, that he's already shortened it to Titans means he knows about it, which means he probably knows about the Jay Abrahams and the Joe Sugarmans of the world and Perry Marshalls. And he's asking me almost like as a peer, like, when do you think you'll do another big event? I could just tell there was a tone. So then I went and sent him an email back and started asking him, you know, who are you? You know, in a nice way, you know, where, where do you, you know, where do you come from? And one thing led to another. And the reason why I bring this one up, because it led to the fact that he was actually a major player in online marketing who I had never heard of. And he actually joined my $20,000 mastermind with, after some correspondence. That's at the other end of the spectrum. Now, everything in between, you're not going to get a $20,000 order by asking a question in your blog, nor are you, you know, going to create a new educational program for the beginners on your list by asking a question in your blog, but you got to start somewhere and you got to start seeing who's going to come out of the woodwork to be sharing stuff with you. And you tick your file. Every time you get a response on that list, you know that they responded and you keep track of the correspondence of how many times they've interacted with you, how many times they responded to you. It's the same thing we did when we did regression modeling with orders. You always had to keep track of all of the transactions on your list so that when you went back out to that list with a new product, you knew which people ordered the most. I mean, it's pretty pretty obvious when you think about it. And that we're not going to have time to talk about RFM, I guess. But, you know, that's another fundamental that most marketers today don't even understand recency, frequency and monetary value. But everything that you do in marketing kind of goes back to. Are they a recent buyer? Are they a frequent buyer? Or are they a recent responder? Are they a frequent responder? And then how much money have they spent with you? And then you start segmenting by that. You'll have all kinds of pockets in your list without doing very much statistical analysis at all. So that's sort of the organic way to do it. And then, of course, you take, you know, look, I borrowed from from Levesque and I did my own deep dive survey to my list. And so what I did was I sent a survey to my list and I said, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, well, first I said, what's your biggest challenge or opportunity in your business? Um, I asked them the size of their business. I asked them like three questions, maybe. What's the size of your business? And um, when I accumulated those responses, then I segmented them by size of business. And I then decided to go back out to that list of the people who responded to the survey and said, I'm going to do a webinar. I called it an Ask Me Anything webinar, which I really like that format for me. Because I like thinking on the spot. I think I can problem solve pretty well. 
like if you were asking me some marketing problems from other listeners, I think I could do some really interesting problem solving and I knew I could do that. And so then I did a webinar. I got, I think I got maybe a hundred responses to the survey. I might've gotten 40 people to show up on the webinar and I knew going into the webinar what their questions were. And I sorted them by the people who had businesses over a hundred thousand people who had under a hundred thousand. And then I also sorted them by like subject, by similar subject matter. So there were five, five people who had a similar challenge or opportunity about building a list. Then I had five or six that had a similar opportunity, a similar uh, challenge about, you know, figuring out who their avatar was. So what I did was I put it into categories. I prioritized the, you know, obviously if I had a choice of, ask, of, of addressing a question of someone who had one of the little larger businesses, I did, but I tried to get to everybody's question on the webinar. And then on follow-up, I did a little pitch for my masterclass, which is not my main mastermind, but my, not my, not my top mastermind, but my second mastermind, fantastic group, you know, um, not, not a JV team, but not, but more for beginners as opposed to seasoned direct response people. And so my goal was to try to put a few people into my masterclass, but then I've also now got all of this other data, even if they didn't sign up for the masterclass on what their interests, what their challenges are. And now I'm really getting to understand my list. It gave me ideas for future blog posts, things I should be writing about to help them more. Um, so then my content became richer for the audience that seemed to be the most responsive because the people that would respond to a survey and, and, and then come to a webinar is better than somebody who's not opening my email and certainly still better than someone who's opening my email but didn't respond to the survey and didn't come on the webinar. So little things like that are, you know, and I got to do a lot more of it. I mean, I, I'm probably not doing enough. Um, I've got more than enough to keep me busy. So it's not like I need <laughs> the business and it's not like I need more people in my mastermind groups, but I think it's really good to be always in communication with your list. And the beauty of, of having a list and, 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 and the inexpensive nature of email gives you incredible opportunities to deliver content while you're getting valuable information. I mean, what what's the whole philosophy behind a squeeze page? I'm going to get your email address, but I'm going to give you something valuable in exchange for it. And as long as we're willing to give first with no expectation of return, you know, you'll be on a winning, it'll be a winning formula in terms of list segmentation. And then where this leads as well is that in the future, I will think about maybe only sending my blog post if it's on a very sophisticated topic to not everybody on my list. So I wouldn't send it to all 7,000 people or 8,000 people on a Sunday, but I might only send it to 2,000 who I've identified as needing this subject matter. I haven't gotten that far yet. I certainly got that far at Boardroom because we couldn't mail 2 million names. We had to find the, you know, the smaller <laughs> uh, units that we could mail. So, but all, again, all the principles that I used to mail millions of names, I now use to mail thousands. And frankly, I could use the same to mail dozens, just like the 26 people who I told the guy in the men's room to mail his Federal Express envelopes to. Brian, you are a wealth of knowledge. I, like I said, I could talk to you all day. This has been phenomenal. 
Um, but I do want to respect your time. Thank you for that. And, and I, just like I said, I've been preaching, go back and master the fundamentals. And, and it's just, you know, I don't know, baby step into it. Like I said, I mean, I probably played with headlines in email for a year and, and then did more of it in the content and then did more of it with like, okay, I'll, I will spend a month working on, you know, a squeeze page message just to figure out, I, I don't know. The mastery has become really fun, and I think people will see that the effort with this now is going to pay off, and this is what gives you the sustainability exactly. right, in this space. So where is the best place to connect with you? How can so, people find out more about yeah, two, you? Two basic ways. Um, one, one would cost $16, and I don't see a penny of it, and you get incredible value. And the other costs you nothing, and you still get incredible value, but not all the value. So – Basically, to opt into my list, um, you could go to thelegendsbook.com, um, thelegendsbook.com, and you go to that site, and basically it's a resource site of materials that relate to the six legends that Craig Simpson and I profiled in our book. I mentioned them before, David Ogilvy, uh, Robert Collier, Claude Hopkins, John Caples, Gary Halbert, and Gene Schwartz. And what you do with that site at thelegendsbook.com is that you go to, there's a button where you can go to either buy my book at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or Indie Books. Again, the book's about 16 bucks on Amazon. Last time I looked, I don't make a penny on it. Um, that money's, well, that, that all goes to the publisher. Um, but then you come back to this Legends Book site with your receipt uh, to an email address, and then you get access and you get to opt, first you opt into my list, so you'll get my blog every Sunday. But you also get access to some incredible resources. It's actually swipe files from those six legends in the book, like the best ads they ever wrote, videos of three of those legends, Halbert, Schwartz, and David Ogilvy. There's one of David Ogilvy on the David Letterman show, which is kind of cool. And then there's a, a PDF of the classic um, scientific advertising by Claude Hopkins. It's an illustrated and annotated version that was done by my friend Bob Bly, who's a copywriter. So you get all of that. Plus, Craig Simpson, my co-author, has some special reports from the Six Legends. You get all of that for free. You opt into my list. It's sixteen bucks to buy the book, and the book itself is really good. I mean, I'm not objective, of course, but the book is really <laughs> fundamentals of sales letters, fundamentals of writing headlines, a lot of checklists, a lot of you know lists of things from those six legends. So you don't have to read all of their books, which is great. So anyway, that's the best way. If you don't have $16 and you don't want all of that, just go to briankurtz.me, uh, B-R-I-A-N-K-U-R-T-Z.me. I have a very simple squeeze page, modest site. It's an opt-in to another interview, which I'm sure I talk about some stuff that I talked about today, plus other stuff. And, uh, it is about list building actually, that, that interview. And, um, You'll opt into my list that way and you'll start getting my welcome series, which is some of my better blogs of the last you know few months. And then you'll get a blog every Sunday morning from me. So that's kind of the best way to, you know, if you want more information from me, I, I don't do affiliate deals, so I'm not selling other people's stuff. Although I did make an offer just recently for the new Dan Kennedy magnetic marketing product. And the, what I did there is I said any you know, affiliate commissions that I get, I'm going to donate to Hurricane Relief in Florida and Texas. So, you know, I'm really not interested in, in, in affiliate commissions, but I am interested in 
talking about things that can advance people's careers. Um, and so it's all educational. And then I sell some books that I publish. I, I did republish Breakthrough Advertising, which is the most important book that Gene Schwartz wrote, but it's also one of the most important books ever written on copy and creative. Um, it's got, it's a must for, it's an advanced book, in my opinion, written in 1966, not one word's been changed, 100% relevant and known to be the most valuable book for anyone in copywriting or marketing. And people could buy that book at, at breakthroughadvertisingbook.com. And, um, that's $125 and it was hundreds of dollars on Amazon before I was able to republish it and get the rights. And then I just got the rights to a book that is $4,000 on Amazon and I'm selling it. Um, it's called The Brilliance Breakthrough, which was Gene Schwartz's lost classic on how to write copy. And I created a workbook that goes with the book because there are exercises in the book, how Gene Schwartz taught people how to write copy. And, um, in fact, the subtitle of the book is wonderful. It's called um, The Brilliance Breakthrough, How to Talk and Write So That People Will Never Forget You. Um, and again, totally relevant to everything we do today. And I have that with the workbook. Um, I don't have the site up at the moment. People could email me at brian at briankurtz.me. Um, and then I'll have a site soon that'll be brilliancebreakthroughbook.com. And that plus the workbook, I'll be selling for $195. And um, again, totally one of the most valuable books I think anybody who's ever wants to write would want. And um, again, I'm, you know, so Gene was a mentor of mine and his wife, Barbara, who's 83, is cannot believe the appetite for Gene's work. I have like a 400 person waiting list for Brilliance Breakthrough as soon as I get my page up and running. Um, so, there's an appetite for this stuff from people who are really studying fundamentals and studying the greats. And so I can be the bridge to that. And I'm committed to doing that. And I'll be selling a lot more books in the future. Not so much to make a lot of money. I mean, I don't even at 125 and 195, I don't make a ton of money on those books. I pay a royalty to Barbara, Jean's wife. Um, you know, I print the books myself, hardcover. Um, so it's not you know, I'll ship it anywhere in the world. I don't, you know, it's just, it's part of my mission to be the bridge that connects, connects those fundamentals and eternal truths to everything that's state of the art today. Well, you've totally saved me the effort of having to tell people to wait and hang on for links. Um, everything will be in the show notes, but <clears throat> thank you for everything you're doing, because truly, I think anybody who's, who's building a business online today and it's hit that point of frustration where you feel like they're banging their head against the wall. Like, this is all the missing piece. I swear to God, I just feel like this is what will create the foundation that then you can go apply funnels and strategies and ads and all of that stuff. But understand this and figure this piece out. And and ju it's just a lifelong study of it, I think. Um, so, Brian, thank you so much. This has been yeah, phenomenal. I'm probably going to listen to it again today. I have a feeling the way you think and the way you teach that the people who follow you are definitely, you know, my, my tribe too. And so I really appreciate being able to spend this time with you to, that you're willing to kind of send out my propaganda to, uh, your audience as well. <laughs> and, um, I will say this too, that, you know, I, at the higher end, I mean, I have these two mastermind groups and, you know, most people aren't ready to join my, I have a low, the lower group, my Titans masterclass, 
is 15,000 a year. I don't know if I'm going to, and there's a lot of benefits for that. And even including some one-on-one -on -one consulting with me, but I, I think that, you know, probably a lot of people aren't ready for that, but if anybody wanted to take a look at what that's about, I have a, a, a little site, titansmasterclass.com. But I think just to get a sense of what it means to make sure that you have your own tribe. So if it's not me or you, Kim, who are, you know, kind of bringing people together, go find your tribe. You know, go find the people that you can sit in a room and not be the smartest person, but be also an expert in something and I'm just such a big fan of masterminding and getting yourself in the room where, you know, I always say if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And that's how I live my life still. You know, when I go to Jeff Walker's mastermind, I'm not the smartest guy in the room by a long shot. Some days I feel like the dumbest guy in the room. And it's a great place <laughs> to be after. Th and I'm, I'm saying that after 35 years. So, you know, I encourage everybody to get into rooms where, you know, you are not the smartest person in the room. And therefore, there's only stuff you can learn. But then bring everything you got to that room. Like bring everything that you've learned and everything you want to share. Because remember, though, it's not those who can't do teach. Those who have done need to teach it. So I encourage, you know, that would be the way I'd want to leave your folks. Because I think if they're following you, they understand that. Well, thank you. I'm like, I, I just want to yeah, leave it right you. there. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, I really Kim. appreciate it. Holy moly. Wasn't that packed with oodles of goodness, you guys? I, I swear. I mean, I love all my interviews, but I think with where I'm going in my business right now, that had me geeked. And it's been a long time for me to be this excited about um, just kind of the, the mastery of everything. And man, I, I had been thinking for a long time too about hiring another mentor. And I think next year it's going to have to be Brian. Anyways, just a couple links for you again. If you want to connect with Brian, go to briankurtz.me and that's B-R-I-A-N-K-U-R-T-Z dot me. You can go to legendsbook.com. All the links are in the show notes. Um, be sure to connect with Brian. Tell him I sent you. And as always, guys, have a fabulous day. And if you haven't left a review in iTunes, it would mean the world to me. Head over to iTunes. Just search for the word Prashik or click the link in the post. Have a fantastic day, and I will catch you next week.